I taught him how to do that. You all know that, right? Hey, welcome to Epic. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and uh, we're so glad that you're here today. And if you're tuning in online, especially, we want to say welcome. If you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and what we do in our community, please check out theepicchurch.com, and we would love to connect with you outside of Sunday morning, okay? I mean, if you're glad to be here, let me see your hand real quick, all right? Cool. That makes all of us. We're going to have a great time today. I'm excited about part two of our current sermon series uh, called Not Again. If if you weren't here last week, Trent kind of kicked it off for us last week, and here's what we're doing. We're, we're learning about these two words that a lot of us, if not all of us, at some point in time in our life have probably said, not again. And we're looking at them from two different perspectives. We're learning that we can either use those two words as a complaint, not again, can't believe I found myself in this same situation or in the same circumstance, or we can use it as a declaration, not again. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do something different. And now as we begin 2020, as we begin a brand new year, I can't think of a better way than to show up at church on a Sunday morning with the idea that, you know what, I'm going to learn everything that I possibly can, how to turn my not again complaints into not again declarations. And what we're doing in this particular series is we're learning some practical steps that we can take to do just that. So if you missed last week, here was what Trent taught us from God's word uh, in, uh, in step number one. So step number one to turning our not again complaint into a not again declaration is that we have to admit that we have a problem or that we've made a mistake. I don't know about you, but I, that, that counts me in right there at some point in time in my life. We have to admit that we have a problem or that we've made a mistake and that we need help. So hopefully some of you at some level this particular week, you have taken step one. Maybe you've admitted to God, you know what, God, I need help. I've got a problem in my life and I know you know about it and, 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 and I'm asking you to lead me and guide me maybe to somebody that can help me uh, turn my not again complaint into a not again declaration. Today we're going to look at step two and, and uh, maybe you've reached out to somebody who's a, a friend or a coworker or maybe even your spouse or, or, a, or a neighbor or somebody. I want to encourage you to put these practical steps that we're learning in this particular series into practice in your life and if you'll put these steps into practice in your your life, I promise you, by the time we get to the end of the Not Again series, you'll be able to see some change and transformation that God uh, is doing in your life. That video that I showed you illustrates a very important spiritual truth that I think all of us need to hear today. And the spiritual truth that that video illustrates is this right here. Sometimes what we see is a setback God sees as a set up to do something great in our lives. Sometimes whatever we see in our life as a setback, that not again moment, where we find ourselves at that same dead end, or engaging in that same behavior, or talking in that same language, those, those moments when we find ourselves kind of in a setback, here's what I believe based on what we're going to learn in scripture today, that God sees our setback as an opportunity for a set up to do something great uh, in our lives. 
The Bible gives us a great illustration of that in a guy by the name of, of Moses. How many have ever heard of Moses before? Even if you're not really familiar with church, probably at some point in time you've heard uh, the name Moses and uh, you can kind of uh, associate a little bit about Moses' life. So let's, let's kind of uh, talk about Moses for just a minute and give you a little bit of opportunity to participate in today's um, service for just a moment, all right? When you think about Moses is alive. Let's say that Moses is alive today in our culture and our society. And, and what understanding we have of Moses' life, what do you think Moses' highlight reel on social media would look like today? All right. So when I, when you hear the word Moses, what are some things that come to your mind uh, about Moses? Just kind of throw them out there to me. All right. The Red Sea, all right? Can't you just see Moses grabbing his cell phone as he's walking across the Red Sea, taking a selfie, hashtag dry ground, God part of the Red Sea, you know, that kind of thing? What else is something that we associate with Moses? The Ten Commandments, right? Okay, that the law that God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai. God handpicked Moses to come up on Mount Sinai to meet with him face to face. And God wrote down the Ten Commandments that he wanted to Moses to deliver to the nation of Israel. And those commandments were kind of like God's law. This is the way that I want to relate to the nation of Israel. Moses, I'm entrusting these commandments to you. Go teach them to my people. What else do we know about Moses? Not again. again? All right. We know that Moses led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery, right? He was the one that God chose to to lead the nation of Israel out of the bondage and the captivity of the uh, the Egyptians uh, for over 400 years. Did you know that the first five books of your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those are what's called the book of the law. Uh, The Jews refer to it as the Torah. You maybe have heard that word at some point in time. Uh, That is the Old Testament Jewish law. And Moses wrote the first five books of our Old Testament part of our Bible. And again, I can imagine uh, Moses kind of taking a selfie, all right, you know, uh, with his Bible in his hand and uh, pointing toward those first five books that he actually wrote. And my point in all that is this, when we think about Moses, we think about this great mighty man that God used to do amazing supernatural things to deliver the Israelites uh, out of Egyptian slavery into bondage and to lead them through the wilderness experience and lead them to the edge of the Jordan River as they're looking into the promised land that God had prepared for his people. And no doubt, Scripture records for us that God used Moses to do some amazing things. But here's what I love about the Bible. What I love about the Bible is it just doesn't show us the highlight reel of everybody's life like social media does today. The Bible shows us the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what I want to do today is kind of look at some of those areas of Moses' life where he found himself in some situations to where it was necessary for him to turn his not again complaint into a not again declaration. You see, for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he lived those first 40 years with an identity crisis. He didn't really know who he was. And then for the next 40 years, he spent a season of his life from the age 40 to the age of of 80 on the backside of a wilderness leading and tending sheep until he had that highlight reel moment where he had that encounter with God at at the burning bush. 
So let's begin in Exodus chapter one today. And I want to give you kind of a high altitude picture when we pick up the story. In Exodus chapter one, the overview would go something like this. The nation of Israel has been in Egyptian slavery for over 400 years. Pharaoh, the leader of the nation of Israel, recognizes that the Israelites are growing numerically and exponentially. And their their nation is growing so fast that he becomes afraid of the fact that this group of people is going to overpopulate the land. They're going to take authority, so to speak, and they're going to overthrow his empire. And he doesn't want that to happen. So what Pharaoh does is he He makes a law or he gives a command. And here's what the Bible says to us in Exodus chapter one and verse 22. It says, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, to all the land of of Egypt, to his commanders and his army. Here's what he said. He said, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. This is the first mass recorded genocide that we see in all of human history. And can you imagine being a a Hebrew mom or a Hebrew father who had conceived a child and that baby was going to be born knowing that Pharaoh had given order that as soon as that baby is born, that that baby's going to be taken away from you and it's going to be thrown in the Nile River to drown and to die. And that's the situation that Moses was was born into. And then we pick up the story in chapter two and verse number one, and it says this, and it says, at this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married and the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch, and she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the banks of the Nile River. And the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. And the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Everybody say, aw. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Can we stop right there for just a minute, all right? You can't make this stuff up, okay? I just encourage you to read your Bible on a regular, consistent basis. And what you're going to find is how God is always moving and working on people's behalfs. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the same God that worked in these circumstances and situations in Moses' life, guess what? Is the same God who wants to work in your circumstance, in my circumstance, today. Let's pick back up in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 10. Later, when the boy was older... Back up to verse nine. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother, and I will pay you for your help. 
So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own. And the princess named him Moses for she explained or exclaimed, I lifted him out of the water. Moses name literally means to draw out because he was drawn out of the Nile River. Now, this is where Moses is born into. He's born as a slave child under the bondage of the Egyptian empire. So, but he's adopted as an Egyptian Hebrew. I mean, as an Egyptian prince. So the, the identity crisis that Moses grows up with for the first 40 years of his life is trying to answer this question. Am I a Hebrew who was born in slavery or am I Egyptian prince who has anything and everything that I could ever imagine or dream? How am I going to live my life? And Moses is at a crossroads and he's trying to figure that out. And maybe you're at a crossroads today. Maybe you're trying to figure out um, where you're at in life and, 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 and who God is and, and how he desires to relate to you and what's this whole church thing and, and Jesus thing and all that stuff. And, and, and here's what I just want to encourage us with today, all right? When we look at Moses' life, it's a beautiful reminder to us that no matter where we find ourselves in life, no matter what the questions that we have about ourselves or anything else about life, God has the answers and God cares and God knows and he wants to step into our world. At age 40, um, Moses makes a bad choice because he doesn't really know who he is. He's trying to figure out this whole identity thing. And Moses makes a poor choice. And I want to show you that choice starting in verse number 11. It says, many years later, this is Moses at about 40 years old. When Moses had grown up, remember that phrase because we're going to come back to it in just a minute, okay? Many years later, when Moses has grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure that no one was watching, look here, Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. Can we say setback? Bad choice. Bad decisions. And anytime we make bad choices and anytime we make bad decisions, guess what happens? It leads us to not again moments. Not again complaints. It says the next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who had started the fight. And the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and our judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh heard what had happened and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Setback number two. Midian was a desert. Midian was a wilderness. And then I love this little phrase at the end of verse number 15. It says, when Moses arrived in Midian as a, as a, as a fugitive on the run for his life, it says he sat down beside a well. So Moses is trying to figure out who he is. Am I a slave or am I a Hebrew? 
And I began thinking, he took a walk out into the community one day and he sees this Egyptian, probably a slave driver, beating one of his fellow Hebrew men. And Moses takes it upon himself to take responsibility for that and he kills that Egyptian and he buries him in the sand thinking nobody knows what's going on in his life, what he did. The next day, kind of same scenario, except this time it's two Hebrews. He says, why are you guys fighting? Your family, your blood brothers. Uh, and, and he said, who made you our judge? Who made you our prince? You're going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? And all of a sudden, Moses flees for his life and becomes a fugitive for the next 40 years. And the Bible says that Moses, when he got to Midian, he sat down by a well. And I think when Moses sat down by that well that day, after being on the run for how long? He began to evaluate his life. And he began to think about his identity. He began to, to come up with a plan and try to decide who he was and, and, and who he was going to be and how he was going to live his life as a Hebrew in relation to, uh, to, the, God of, to the God of his people. And, and sometimes God wants us just to stop and evaluate our lives as well. That's kind of what this series is about. It, it's an opportunity for us to just kind of stop and, and reflect on where we're at in our life. And maybe you're in a season or you're in one of those places where you find yourself at that not again place. That dead end you seem to keep ending up in, or maybe it's a relationship, or maybe it's a habit, uh, or maybe it's uh, uh, the, the way that you talk. I, I don't know what it might be for you, but God, I think, is saying to us, hey, during this season or this series, as we begin a brand new year of 2020, let's evaluate where we're really at and, and what God might want to do in our life. I want to fast forward now to the end of the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, and I want us to read what the writer of Hebrews says, knowing everything about Moses' life, knowing everything about what God used him to do, those highlight moments that we talked about a moment ago, leading Israel out of Egyptian slavery, being able to be the one that met with God to receive the Ten Commandments, leading the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground, sitting down in the book of Deuteronomy and, and reflecting on his life and writing the first five books of our Bible. What, what, what's the perspective that we need to have about Moses' life that will help us understand how to turn our not-again complaints into not-again declarations? Well, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says about Moses in Hebrews chapter number 11. And I would encourage you to go read the whole chapter at some point in time because it talks about those people of our faith who have gone before us. And, and again, it paints a picture of the good, the bad, and the ugly of how God stepped into their life and used them to do great things and to accomplish great things in their life. And here's what it says about Moses in Hebrews 11 and verse 24. It says, it was by faith that Moses, what's the next three words or four words? When he grew up. Turn to your neighbor and say, he grew up. When Moses grew up. Isn't that what it said in Exodus chapter number two? It says, when he grew up. So, and in Hebrews chapter 11, the writer says the same thing. Now, here's the thing we need to know about the Bible, okay? If God says something one time, it's really important. 
If God said something multiple times, he really wants us to get it, okay? And, and if he repeats a, a theme or he repeats a phrase, it's really important. He wants us to get it. So the Bible tells us that there was this season in Moses' life when he grew up. You know when he, how he grew up? He grew up physically and he grew up spiritually. And during that season of growing up, I think he evaluated his life and he settled the question of who he was, whether he was a Hebrew or whether he was an Egyptian. I'm going to show you that uh, in, in, in just a moment. But verse 24 says, when he grew up. Can I tell you one of the greatest ways that we can grow up spiritually? One of the greatest ways that we can grow up spiritually is by engaging in what Trent introduced to us last week as the ancient spiritual discipline of fasting. And maybe you've never fasted before. Uh, maybe you have a little bit, but you want to go a little bit deeper this year. I would encourage you, wherever you're at, as we begin our, our corporate church-wide fast tomorrow, that at some level, every single person uh, will use this as an opportunity to grow up in your relationship with God. And here's what I can promise you. If you will make this a serious thing in your life for the next two weeks, God will use it at some level to grow you up spiritually in your relationship with him. And you might say, well, Pastor Brian, what is fasting? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you, okay? Uh, fasting is simply this idea of giving up something that is important to you for a specific period of time and saying no to something physical so that you can say yes to something spiritual that God wants to do in your life. So maybe God's asking you to, uh, to give up breakfast or lunch or dinner. Maybe he's asking you to give up all three. There's a lot of different ways that you can fast because in the Bible, everywhere you see fasting, it's almost always tied to some kind of food and food is our sustenance for life. So what God is saying, uh, I want you to give up something that's important to you physically so that you can engage in something that's more important and that is my relationship with you. And if you want some information about how you can engage in a fast in a biblical way, let me encourage you on your way out today to stop by the Connection Center and grab a copy of our fasting prep guide. It will give you some great information about how you can engage in a biblical fast that will help you to grow up spiritually. You can also download that from our website at theepicchurch.com. Maybe for you, it's not possible for you to give up food because of a medical condition, because of medication. I get that. I have high blood pressure. I get it from my mom. It's just hereditary. So, uh, so, so I have to be really careful with that. And then we have some information about that as well. But you know what? Maybe something that's really important to you is the time that you spend watching TV or Netflix or on social media or playing Candy Crush Whatever it is that you engage in on a regular, consistent basis that's important to you, can I just encourage you maybe to talk to God about how you might can give that up over the next two weeks so that you can say no to something physical and say yes to something spiritual. Let me tell you how that's played out in my life over the last few years. I, I used to be horrible at fasting because I'm a selfish person and I want to gratify my, uh, myself and, 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 and my flesh. But a few years ago, I found myself in a very difficult situation that I never thought I would be. And my time with God was really dry. 
And it was a time where I just didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't want to pray. Um, as a pastor, I didn't want to preach. That's not good. Uh, I didn't want to be around people. That's really not good because we're kind of in the people business and that's part of our calling. I didn't want to lead my staff. I didn't want to go visit people in their homes. I didn't want to go see people after they had surgery. I, I was just in a rut and in a bad season of my life. And I felt like God saying, and as I'm talking to God and crying out to God, God, what's wrong with me? God, uh, why, does it, why does it seem like you are so distant? And I knew in my heart, God hadn't gone anywhere. I was the one who had drifted from God. And God said, Brian, why don't you just start a fast? And if you'll fast, I'll show you what's wrong with you. So you know what? I made up my mind that I was going to fast like I had never fasted before. And I gave up breakfast and spent time with God. And I gave up lunch and I spent time with God. I ate a modest dinner and spent time with God. I gave up TV in the evenings, which I don't watch a lot of anyway, but in the evening time when I would watch it, that's when I would watch it. So I gave up uh, media uh, in the evening and social media, and I spent time with God. And you know what God showed me in just a few days of spending that time with him and trying to reconnect and go deeper in my relationship with him? God had showed me that my position as a pastor had become more important than the people that I pastored. And you know what God calls that? And my position as a pastor was more important than my relationship with Jesus. And you know what the Bible calls that? Calls it an idol. And you know what I had to do? I had to confess that to God and ask him to forgive me. I had to confess it to my team and my staff and ask them to forgive me. And I had to publicly stand before my church and say, church, I'm sorry because I've made you an, I, I've made you an idol in my life. And God grew me up spiritually in my relationship with him a few years ago as I was intentional about fasting. And maybe somebody here today, and I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form, but maybe somebody here today, you just need to hear these words. You just need to grow up. And, and you need to declare that I'm not going back to the same places that I've been. I'm going to turn my not again complaints into a not again declaration. The Apostle Paul in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11, he put it this way. He said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. Wow, because that's just what children do. But he says, there came a point in time, but look here, same phrase, but when I grew up. But when I grew up, what did he say? I put away childish things. And I think when Moses arrived in Midian, he sat down that by that well and he began to evaluate his life and he, God started to grow him up. God started to grow him up spiritually and God started to grow him up physically. So let me encourage you to engage in our fast over the next two weeks. I promise you it will be meaningful and significant and God will use it to grow you up. You know what else Moses decided? Look at verse number 24 again of Hebrews chapter number 11. It says, it was by faith when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What did Moses decide there? Moses decided he refused to be somebody that he wasn't. He refused to be somebody that he wasn't. How many of you know that sometimes when you don't know who you are, you live for the approval of other people. I've been there. When you really don't know who you are, 
you're trying to please everybody, you're going to live for the approval of other people. And here's what I can guarantee you about a ment- that mentality. I can guarantee you that that mentality will lead more often to a not again complaint than it ever will to a not again declaration. The Bible says he refused to be somebody that he wasn't. And then it goes on to say in verse number 25 and 26, he chose, say he chose. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. What did Moses do there? He chose to do the right thing instead of the easy thing. He chose to do the right thing instead of the popular thing. See, it would have been real easy for Moses to go back to Egypt and to apologize maybe to Pharaoh for what he had done to kill that Egyptian, to apologize to his stepmom, the Egyptian princess, and say, I want to get back into the family and I want to experience all the pleasures and all the possessions of Egypt for the rest of my life. But Moses didn't do that. He did the right thing. And can I just tell you this? When you choose to do the right thing, the right thing is the hard thing, but it's always the best thing. The right thing is the hard thing, but it's always, always, always the best thing. And it says that he refused, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt Why? Because he was looking ahead to his great reward. And then verse 27 says this, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger because he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. So what happened in between verse 26 and verse 27 when Moses left Egypt? All those highlight moments that we know about. He goes back to Egypt. He confronts Pharaoh. God God works supernaturally in him and through him to deliver Israelites out of the Egyptian slavery and bondage. And the Bible says that he left the land of Egypt, not fearing the Lord's anger. The question that I had as I was thinking about today is why would God ask Moses to go back to the place of one of his greatest failures in life? Why would God want to take Moses back to the place of one of his greatest failures in life? And I believe it's because he could go back to that place where he, where he was a failure and he could make his own, not again, declaration. He could go back to that place where he, he failed and use that as, as a first step, so to speak, towards a not again declaration. If we wanted to put it in kind of a sentence form, it would be this right here. I believe God asked Moses to go back to Egypt so that he could bury his past or bury his failures and have the courage to step into his future greatness. So that he could bury his past and have the courage to step into his future greatness. Verse 27 again says, he left the land of Egypt and he kept his eyes on the one who was in Visible. You see, for, for Moses, Egypt represented slavery. 
Egypt represented bondage. Egypt represented the place of, of one of his greatest failures. And you know what God asked him to do in, in, in order to turn his, his not again complaint into a not again declaration? He said, Moses, I want you to go back to your place of failure. And, and here's what we need to, to know about that um, today. All right. This is step number two um, in our series. Last week, we had to admit that we made a mistake and have a problem. And we have to be willing to ask for somebody else's help. Step two is this right here. All right. Step two is that we have to have the courage to face our failures. We have to have the courage to face our failures. So let me ask you today, do you have the courage to face your failures? To go back to that place where there's been those not again moments, those not again complaints? Do you, do you have the courage to go back and face your failures and use that as a next step in your relationship with God to begin to turn your not again complaints into not again declarations? And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe for you, facing your failure is you go home today and you open up the cabinet, maybe where you keep your liquor. And you grab that drink of choice that always leads you back to a not again place that you never, ever want to go back to. But it's just a vice. And it's got a grip on your life. And maybe you pull that drink of choice off the shelf and you go get a golf club or a baseball bat or a BB gun or whatever it is you got to do. And you bust it and you break it and you declare, not again. Maybe for you, it's opening up that duffel bag or that cabinet where you have a stash of prescription pills or a bag of narcotics or whatever it is. And you take that and you go into your restroom, your bathroom, and you pour them down the toilet and you flush the valve and you say, not again. Maybe for you, you go home today and you unplug the computer and you put it away for a season in your life. Better yet, maybe you take a baseball bat to it too. <laughs> or you burn the magazine. Or you sign up for an accountability site that shows a friend or a neighbor or somebody you can trust the sites that you visit on a regular basis and you say, not again. Maybe for you, it's making a phone call today. Or writing a letter today to somebody that you've had a relationship with that always leads you to a not again moment and you ask for their forgiveness and you admit you're part of the problem that has strained or broken the relationship and you say, you know what, I'm going to make a declaration today that I'm not going to let this happen again. Maybe you shoot a text to somebody or an email. Maybe you get in your car today and you drive across town or to the next county or the next city where that person is that, that, that you have a relationship with that is strained and broken and always leads you back to a place you never wanted to be. And you knock on their door and you say, hey, can we talk? Or can we go to lunch? Or can we grab dinner this evening? And you declare, not again. I'm not going to let this happen again. And the challenge for us is, is this right here. We must be willing to face our failures if we're going to turn our not again complaints into not again declarations. 
And in just a moment, we're going to do a little bit something different as we close our service today. And I don't mean to be weird to anybody. Here's what I want everybody to know. This is a safe place where anybody and everybody can show up just as you are. But in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. And as I invite you to stand, Matt, our worship team is going to come and lead us in one more song that's an amazing song of worship. And, and, um, and I'm just going to invite maybe some of you here today that are saying, you know what, Brian, today I'm going to take a step toward making my not again complaint a not again declaration, but I need some prayer. I need the courage to do that. And I'm just going to invite you to step out of your seat and walk to the front of this stage and just stand right here as we continue to worship. And after we sing this song, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to pray that God would give you the courage to do whatever he's speaking to you about today, to, to, to leave this place and to face your failure and to take an action step in your life that says, you know what? I, I'm not going back there again. I'm declaring today that I'm going to change the course of my life. And I'm going to invite you to come and just stand. And we're going to sing. And after we sing, I'm just going to pray for you. And then we're going to be dismissed. But before we do that, I want to give you uh, some homework if I can. Okay, this is your application. There's two verses of scripture that everybody here today ought to memorize this week. This would be a great way to start your fast. All right. Uh, and these are in your spiritual growth challenge. But there's two verses of scripture that I encourage you to memorize this week. Number one is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And then Philippians 3.13 says, but I focus on one thing, forgetting what is behind and focusing on what is ahead. So can I invite you to stand as we get ready to sing? And right where you're at, if God speaks to you during this song, I just want to invite you to come and stand at the front of the stage. And after we sing, I'm just going to pray for you today as we get ready to dismiss that God would give you the courage to face your failures, and to step into the greatness that he has for you. Hey, just before I pray, let me, let me just tell you one more thing, okay? And this is for you folks right here especially. Thank you so much for coming, for being uh, courageous enough to step into the future greatness of what God has for you. But this is for everybody. If you don't take anything else I've said today away, take this right here, okay? Don't ever allow the pain of your past to control the power of the present or the prospect of the future. Don't ever allow the pain of your past to control the power of the present. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us to control the power of the present or the prospect of the future. Thank you for being courageous today. I believe you're taking a step toward turning those not again complaints into not again declarations. God, I come to you today on behalf of these folks who have been bold and courageous to step out of their seat. And God, I don't know their heart. I don't know their life. I don't know why they came, but you do, and that's all that matters. So God, I'm asking you today to meet them at their point of need. God, give them the courage to do whatever it is you're asking them to do today, to begin to take the steps necessary to turn their not-again complaints into bold, not-again declarations as you work out their faith and you become real to them to help them to be everything that you created them to be. God, use us as a church to encourage each other, to serve each other,
to bless each other, to walk life's journey together in a way that honors and glorifies you. And as we go our separate ways today, may you be honored and glorified and praised in everything that we say and do this week. For it's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you guys next Sunday. You are dismissed.